It's episode two and we still haven't learned how to start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's going on, guys? This is episode two of the Emo Social Club podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Lizzie. Coming up on this episode today, uh, we are going to be talking about the Me Too movement in the music industry. Uh, so that's going to be a pretty deep section in the middle there. Uh, but we want to also come back at the end and talk a bit about the music industry and paying artists and how little money there really is in the music streaming and creation of music. Lizzie, you mentioned Lollapalooza. Uh, Warp Tour also happened. Yes. Uh, you went to both in Chicago. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. What'd you see? Who'd you like? Oh, man. So at Warp Tour, went to the one down in, uh, you know, good old Tinley Park. Yeah. Hollywood Catina Amphitheater. <laughs> And first band of the day that we saw was We the Kings. They played three songs. There was a union strike in the back. What? Yes. So they came out and pretty much they played three songs and played uh, Check Yes, Julia and everyone left. What? Yeah. It was really, really weird. And it was also like raining on and off that day. Yeah. So it, it was just. So there really was like wet. a union strike. Literally. On the... with, yes. On the weed. On, it was Journey's left foot stage. It was on one of the main stages. What? I thought they were kidding or maybe yeah. they had like technical issues, but they straight up had a union strike. So like all the staff that was working there. Yeah, for they the just day. said, no, we're not doing so. It was about a 15, 20 minute delay. But was that at the, that was at the beginning? That was of the at the day. beginning. It was first thing so of the, the day. First set. Yeah. The I missed is like, because we're going I on. did oh. that. I wanted to see the rest of their set, but I ended up <laughs> missing real big fish, fish's yeah. set. So I was really fucking upset about it. Yeah. And so that happened. It rained a bit. Then we went to go see 303. Absolutely. Went hard as shit to that. We got in their <laughs> weird pit area because when you're at Hollywood, Hollywood Casino, they had they put it in the amphitheater this mm -hmm. year. OK, so they only let so many people down to the pit. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah. we had to wait because Knuckle Puck was first. So that was okay. a hot mess. Obviously, they had the, the two stages in there. So they were like no, they split had in half stage. or just one. They okay. put one stage and they put they put Journey's right foot in there and Journey's left foot outside, which was really weird because they're yeah. usually back to back. That was actually the same in Milwaukee, too. And that was, oh, that's, yeah, it was strange I don't like to me. Because in Milwaukee, they used to do the two main stages inside the amphitheater, just, yeah. left, just left and right. So you would just stay in the in the pit like that and you could just watch all the bands all day. Exactly. But I didn't realize they did the same thing in Chicago they cut it up. Year. Yeah, it was really weird. Nobody was really happy about it. Um, then afterwards, we stayed for Bowling for Soup. They brought out um, one of the little pug dog that they have out on stage, lifted him up like Simba. Offended. It was really cute. It was cute. Then we saw Simple Plan. I crowd surfed to I'm Just a Kid while crying. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Is it raining or are these tears? At that point, it wasn't raining, so it was okay. So it was just my literal <laughs> so, actual tears. So it was tears. It was my actual tears. No, I'm sunny out. It's definitely just a kid Exactly. Crying. And then um, I ran over and catched the last um, couple songs from the Grayscale when Simple nice. Plan ended. So that was really cool. Then I went to Lollapalooza for four days straight and yeah. two after shows. Yeah. I'm a burnt chicken nugget. I'm a live French fry. <laughs> I'm a melted milkshake. Chicago. You know, I'm everything like that. <laughs> I am so tan right now. For you listeners, I'm usually like really pale. I'm so tan. It looks like actually a blood flowing through my veins. It's super <laughs> weird. For the video one, we're just going to uh, lighten this up quite a bit. So we're just going to overexpose you so that you still <laughs> look the same as you did before. Exactly. Make so. me feel better about myself. <laughs> But we went four days. I saw two after shows as well. So I actually was coming back. I was supposed to go see Franz Ferdinand. Mm -hmm. And that was on Wednesday night at Park West. But my flight from Florida 
was coming in at like 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So I missed that show and I was really pissed about it. But it's okay because the next day we got our asses kicked because it was just so hot out. Yeah. The first band we saw was Slaves UK and it's a punk mm-hmm. band. I saw them at Riot Fest last year. And they actually are produced by Mike D from Beastie Boys. Okay. So they brought Mike D on stage last year with them, which yeah, was yeah. really cool. And obviously he wasn't there this year. Mm-hmm. But some kid came up to me and he's like, have you seen Scott Pilgrim? I'm like, yeah, fucking course I have seen Scott <laughs> Pilgrim. He said with me in all seriousness in his eyes and face, they sound like that emo band Crash and the Boys are kind of Indian. I just was like, what? excuse <laughs> you? What did you just say to me? So there I'm was, not mad about that. I was just like, no, okay. Like, I'm like, oh, they're punk. And they're like, oh, no, they're kind of indie. I'm like, whatever. I mean, get away from me. Get away from Don't touch me anymore. Don't, don't look at me. the Boys was also kind of a punk band. They were. So I gave it to him just a little yeah. bit. But the, when he was like, this is very indie. I was like, I, oh. I wanted, yeah. Crash and the Boys. Like that song was awesome. But that right, was a very yes. grunt. That's a, we're diluting we're digressing right now but anyway we could talk about scott pilgrim yeah we can always talk about scott pilgrim and the low-key problematic things that go in there whoa what have you never heard those arguments about scott pilgrim yes about how he is the stereotypical scene fuck boy i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be upset about scott pilgrim today (laughs) this is for another time we're just saying anyway i saw Carlos is like no no anyway no. i saw i saw slaves and i got in that pit and it was like noon 30 and i got i was it was just too hot i got fucked up then we went to go see ali x which was like this electro kind of spooky indie bitch she was really good um and then afterwards we saw we saw a lot of people that day we saw the wombats mm-hmm. it's my fourth time seeing them That's, this year uh, they're the really good from 13 reasons why that was wallows my friend did wallows. see them That's my friend it. did see them and then went to their signing on yeah, sunday yeah. she said they're actually very a good. lot of w bands yeah a uh, lot of my w uh bands. my girlfriend's been playing their music for me and it's like it's really good yeah really she like said it. they were she said she was really surprised she thought it was yeah. just going to be a bunch of fangirls ruining it but yeah, she said but it was no, pretty good like, yeah yeah then we saw we waited for Arctic Monkeys for a good hour and a half because they were on the main stage. So we got like eighth row for Arctic Monkeys. Okay. So that was really cool. Then the second day, we started off by seeing Post Animal. We started a crazy pit. If you saw those dust clouds, that was me yeah. and my friends and a couple <laughs> other girls we ran into. That was us. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then we died a little bit. And we also saw Vampire Weekend on Saturday. Mm-hmm. We got like eighth row for them too. They played A-Punk three times in a row. It was great. People right. were pissed off about it. I don't know why. It's a banger. <laughs> yeah. Um. Went off to Diane Young. Saw St. Vincent. Was really close for her. Yeah. An amazing set. She switched out her guitar. She has like all the colors of the rainbows mm-hmm. of her guitar. It's great. People didn't like that. Some yeah. chick next to me, she's like, they all look the same though. And I'm like, but can you do what she does? No. You no. can't do that. I can't <laughs> do that. You fucking can't do that. <laughs> um. You do that. You can't do that. Then I saw the regrets. Mm-hmm. Um. They did a really cool cover of the Ramones um, Ballroom Blitz. Very nice. And I crowd surfed to that. Um, only over two people, though, because there was a bunch of people there waiting for Jack White and mm-hmm. who were not tolerating my bullshit. <laughs> um, so that was a thing. And then we also saw the Rex. Mm-hmm. And I started a pit to that. And nobody was really happy with me, but it happened. <laughs> then I crowd surfed. And then they dropped me because the lead singer came down. It's a bunch of fangirls. Mm-hmm. And they come up. He comes down like nearish them, I guess. They drop me and they don't pick me up. They start running over me. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So you know how some people wear those hydro water packs? Yeah. So one of the <laughs> nozzles was hanging. So I grabbed the nozzle and I ripped uh. it down to pull myself up. 
and I elbowed one of the chicks and they were like, what are you doing? I'm like, why did you drop me? And I just like maneuvered myself back into the pit. I'm like, I need to get out of here. I can't do this anymore. But it was overall a great weekend. Yeah. Um, we went to two after shows. We saw Parquet Courts with Dream Wife at Talia Hall on Thursday. Mm-hmm. They were really, really good. All of those words didn't make sense to me. Oh my God. Uh, Dream, <laughs> Dream Wife, Parquet Courts is... um. So my friend tried to call them more of a punk fan, but they're more so indie old. rock punk. And Dream Wife ended up being this, she told me it was an Icelandic female punk band and they kick ass. They were really, okay. really good. Then the next night we saw Post Animal. Before. Now, that I'm, now yeah. I remember it. And then um, we went to Post Animal at Empty Bottle on yeah. Saturday night. That was cool. And I also, this the over the weekend, I didn't know these existed. So this is an exclusive. I was almost in slash forced myself into an exclusive mosh pit. <laughs> okay. So it was How literally you- <laughs> um, the band started. I don't I don't want to name names because I have issues with certain with some some you know some of these things. Sure. And they started a couple songs in. Everyone's cool. Some dudes try to get involved who are not in this lucky <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. And they were pushing them out saying, go away. We don't want you in here. And I'm like, excuse me. So I thought I was okay. <laughs> I was like, you know, they're jumping around. We're pushing each yeah. other. I seem okay. A few more songs in, like maybe six or seven songs. I'm like, okay, cool. And then they start pushing me and my friend out. Yeah. And there's only like that same six of them. And they're like making a wall when it's like during slow songs or in between songs. So me, my friend, and some other people can't get into this pit. Yeah. And it was the most ridiculous thing I have ever experienced. <laughs> and I just think it's so bullshit because I can understand, you know, girls only pits and, you know, being sure. safe and everything. But, you know, you're at a show for a band that has a lot of people who want to get involved in it. And if they're not usually in a scene that allows you to do that in yeah. a pit because it's not as upbeat or really welcomed yeah. at that point. Why would you exclude those people? Yeah. So I thought that was a huge load of bullshit. So that kind of killed my vibe a little bit. <laughs> so just so you know, guys, apparently all exclusive mosh pits uh, exist in certain music scenes here and they're <laughs> bullshit. So what up? Come at me. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start some exclusive uh, VIP only mosh pits. Well, I have to have a wristband. At our shows. Yes, you okay. have to have a wristband. Okay. There will be uh, suited security guards <laughs> standing in the crowd. <laughs> Making sure, and there's velvet ropes just surrounding it. Okay, like, I'm so glad. Yeah, I love the idea that the VIP room isn't like off to the side of the stage. It's not like up in the <laughs> in the in the you know top area, the top balcony. It's just like right in the middle. Of yeah, the pit. right in the middle of the pit. We're <laughs> like, standing there. Don't touch me. Like you I go can't to believe like, you touched me. You go to like Beat Kitchen, like <laughs> tiny little venue, and there's just like two giant dudes in a velvet roped off circle in the middle of it. Like, no, it's for VIPs. Yeah. I love that. Isn't it great? Yeah. Oh man. The 1%. So, um, <laughs> I went to warp tour in Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, which was, uh, fine. I, you know, again, I'm old. I think that's been yes, mentioned you a are. few times that I'm old You are based on my age yes. and my knowledge of, uh, all those bands you just talked about for the last <laughs> 10 minutes. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I, I went mostly for the bands that were for the nostalgia. I went with a few friends of mine who were into more new bands. 
uh, which is cool. Like I saw some new bands that I never heard of. Did you see Dalskin? I saw Dalskin. That's no, who I. I didn't see Dalskin. Okay. My friend wanted well, to see them, Dalskin but fucks. yeah, we ended up not seeing them. I did see another band called Sharp Tooth, I've which heard is of like very feminist. Uh, loved them. Nice. She is awesome. I didn't get any of the band members' names or uh, anything, and and I've only listened to maybe one and two songs, but like. Yeah, they were awesome. They were wild on stage. They were having a great time. Uh, I watched Every Time I Die because that's one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, caught my friends in uh, Harm's Way and uh, Sleep On It. So I saw them play. I will say, I wanted to see Sleep On It again because when I saw them last year at Riot Fest, the second song in at like 1.30 in the afternoon, mm-hmm. someone punched my sunglasses <laughs> off my face and they broke. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe we'll do it again. And they were playing the same time as 303 was. Yep. So, um, sorry, oh, yeah. my sorry. first Warped Tour, 2009, my dad took yeah. me oh, to yeah. see 303. Had to end it with 303. Oh, yeah. I, uh, we were fortunate that Harm's Way and Sleep On It were playing earlier in the day. So when we got there, like everybody, we got to see them hang out for a bit. And then uh, later on, all the other bands were playing that we wanted to see. Uh, so that worked out. I'm trying to think of other bands that we really were like excited about besides like 303. Uh, we watched them. Yeah. To me, this lineup wasn't so like this wasn't so much for me. Like I wanted to go to see those smaller bands on the smaller stages. Uh, Necrogoblicon was fantastic really uh yeah i'm 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 much more into metal and and heavier music than than like the pop punk stuff and like i never really was into mayday parade or the main like when they were putting out albums like i knew a few songs but not super into them three i uh, i should say i don't know why i'm saying like i love metal and then i'm like but 303 though like i was like oh shit like throwing up hands i mean obviously if you can't go off to like you know punk bitch and choke chain don't come at me i was I was. Good. You should have. People were I'm like, so proud. who's this old man? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I was the oldest person in the crowd for 303. No, I will say <laughs> like, when I saw 303, there was this weird dude next to us and he had to be probably around your age. Yeah. But he was like one of those kind of scummy fucks. He's kind of like, this is the closest thing near my house. And I'm like, oh, ready to go off. Like one of those small town boys. <laughs> yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> I love that this entire conversation about warp tour has primarily resolved around 303. <laughs> I mean, like like who's the band that you want to talk about the most from warp tour? 303. Honestly though. Dude, but they were like great. Yeah. Like, I loved their set. Someone uh, had mentioned to me like, ah, eh, like, you know, they're not really putting it on. Like, you know, you could assume that a band like 303 was put together even back in the day. Like they were like, Oh, it's kind of a joke. Like these are two dudes that are like graduating college with like doctorates. <laughs> like they were, they were in school to be like, <laughs> super professional like nah you know what I want to do this like I want to be a party this, bro, like, for the rest yeah, of my this life yeah crummy hip hop act like whatever and the idea that they've kept it going for 10 years and like they were doing the, the warp Tour again and like their set was great uh, they had the drummer from the summer set uh, I can't remember her name but uh, oh okay we had every band we saw at the Chicago warp Tour from We The Kings to 303 to Bowling for Soup Simple Plan came out every yeah. fucking time <laughs> Jesus. So it was like I saw Simple Plan before yeah. I even yeah, saw them later like that night. Out. I was like, yeah. well, what's up, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think Warped Tour was really good this year. Um, you brought up that there was a tweet from someone, I think, kind of uh, proving us right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we called it first, being that we are uh, the experts on yes. uh, Clearly. the music industry. Here we are on a podcast. Podcast number two, experts 
Everything we say is proven right. We have an old scholar here. We have a young for the word road scholar, but sure, mm-hmm. old scholar. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, um, there was an interview with Kevin Lyman after the final date. I assume this is from. Yes. Uh, so the final date just happened in uh, Florida. Yes, it city. was at the end of Lollapalooza weekend. So I think it was yeah. August fifth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, question was, will the brand live on in some way? And Kevin Lyman goes on to say. I think we're going to have a couple of 25th anniversary events next year. We're looking at July 4th weekend, maybe on the East Coast and something in August on the West Coast. And then after that, who knows? Uh, I don't. <laughs> it's kind of surprising that he's just like, this is the last Warp Tour. I don't think we're going to do anything and else. Like, oh, and then it's like, JK. are you going to do something else? Yeah, probably. Like he's he seems to me like I'm ready to. Uh, I, I don't know. Kevin Lyman has always struck me as the kind of guy who's like, I'm not really uh, uh I, I don't want to say not professional, but he's just not like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and do whatever I want to do. I'm going to talk about it however I want to talk about it. Like, this is a dude who came up through Lollapalooza, yeah. like working on Lollapalooza every year. And it's like, I just want to do my own punk tour. Like, it's not really like I have to be like secretive or, you know, I don't want to get the, the, the word out there too soon. I'm worried it's going to dilute my brand. Like, he's not that kind of person. He's like, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. Like it's and the 25th year. And if I decide year. to do the opposite at some point, whatever, yeah, you're going to like it anyway. Whatever, man. Like, yeah, I, I think Warp Tour was just such a like party this year. Uh, I had heard that like, you know, obviously ticket sales were doing really well. Chicago yeah. sold out. I don't think Milwaukee sold out, but it, a lot, a good majority of places yeah. did sell out. I so know like, there was a couple that sold out, like I think a month or half yeah. a month in advance, yeah, yeah. which is completely unheard of. So like, and, and somebody was saying, uh, like I was, I was, <laughs> so shout out to my buddy Bo in harm's way for getting me backstage a little bit. I, I never really go backstage because I like to watch the bands from the front, but I did go and hang out with him for a little bit uh, later on. And I don't remember who it was when I was back there, but somebody was kind of mentioning like, you know, in the past couple of years, like nobody was showing up to Warp Tour. Like nobody was coming to it. There were stages with like 20 people at them. And like, I, I think it was that they couldn't get the right bands or it wasn't like this big <laughs> marketing thing around it that, yeah, it's the last one. You got to come. And I think this year, like they really blew it out for, we're going to have the last year. I saw like, you know, there were a bunch of bands that jumped on at the end of the tour. Right. As they got to East coast, they had more uh, people jumping on. So, you know, great job. Like doing that. Uh, I also want to say shout out to uh, the, I think he was the bassist from issues. Uh, so after the day ended, uh, I ended up going back by the tour buses and hanging out with my, my with Bo and, uh, we were hanging out with some of the other bands back there. Every time I die, I just had like one big speaker and Jordan Buckley is just like shouting things out. Like he's DJing, but it's like yeah. mostly like Michael McDonald. And, like, <laughs> like just the, it was a great set list, like playlist. But uh, he was just like, kind of like shouting out like the song is just like, Oh my God. I'm a midnight toker. That's amazing. Yeah. And then I was over by issues tour bus. And they were playing Super Smash Brothers. And I'm like, I like as geeked as I was about all the bands that were right. like 303 and but all this. But they're playing Super Smash Bros, yeah. man. I'm like, oh. Can I get like, in? Anybody else want to get in? I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I would. Uh, yeah, I would like that. And so like, I, will, I sit down that. and I just get fucking owned by <laughs> this dude from Issues. Like, I'm, I'm like, so, all right. This is now going to be a divergence into me talking about Super Smash Brothers. I'm playing as Mewtwo, and this dude is just like playing as like Samus, and he's just coming for me. And I'm like, <laughs> "Hey, man, what did Mewtwo ever do to you? Like, sure, he like you know froze Ash into into rock yeah. in the first Pokemon movie, and then everyone who listens to this podcast has turned it off. So, 
Anyway, like, wow, these are a bunch of shout out to the nerds. issues. I almost beat him when I was young, young Link in the last round I played, and I'm like, you know what? You. You're I got there. second place. Like, I'm good. So we just hung out for a bit. Uh, it was pretty neat. It was pretty neat. And coming up next, we'll be discussing the Me Too movement. So, so we're going to talk about Me Too. We're going to talk about the Me Too movement as far as it uh, is in the music industry as a whole, as the music industry for emo bands, punk pop, uh, pop punk bands. Like, I know it's something that I would want to hear. Lizzie, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so no, clearly as, you know, a woman in this entire, you know, yeah. existence, basically, it, it affects myself and I know people who have been affected from it as well. So, but also trigger warning, we may get, we may or may not get graphic depending on what we end up rolling on into. Mm-hmm. Some things obviously are very um, sensitive to certain individuals. So if you rather skip this part, that's totally cool. Yeah. Um, other, you know, but stick around. Otherwise, if you do skip this part, because we're going to be talking about some other um, fun stuff after the fact. Yeah. Obviously, when you talk about the emo scene specifically, you've got a lot of stories that um, I, I think most of them have been on alternative press that I've read them. Yeah. Uh, there's some that have made it a bit more public, but to a lot like of these, or yeah, a lot magazine. of these artists are kind of under the radar from a, a mainstream standpoint. I'm, I'm referencing an article in the conversation.com, uh, which talks about how music hasn't had a defining me too movement. So obviously when we talk about like the emo scene in, in, in specific, we talk about, you know, the most recent one is uh, Will Francis from Aiden. Uh, you've got Jesse from Brand New. Like some of the stories that have affected, I know you and I yeah. have affected people within our scene, but these aren't really like the mainstream, uh, you know, this isn't as big in the Me Too it's not movement. Like this, this article from conversation.com references like R. Kelly mm-hmm. and his whole entire crazy sex calls I mean, with underage girls. Yeah. Cause then when you just think about like the big names, you've got R Kelly with essentially kind of the same thing that Will Francis was doing yes. just with more money, I suppose. Yes. Like I, I'm not trying to make like a, and a, has been more significantly public for yeah, decades. Yeah. And I think that there's like a, there's like a weird equivalence thing there where it's like neither one of them is good, but I think that people around the stories about Will Francis, which again, I'm not going to dive into them. Like they're on alt press. Like, yes, they're on I think alt press. Be best there just... is a very long, somewhat yeah. featurey expose of gathering of evidence from yeah. alt press about the whole William Control Will Francis um, BDSM yeah. sex cult. <laughs> and there's also Sorry, I'm laughing. That's not like there's. It, this is going to be a very awkward conversation. I think so. People my use is people use humor to that. help yeah. with awkwardness, but it just is so like. It's it's so fucked it's up. Strange it's strange to, to have listened to Aiden before and then to be like, oh, here we are 10 years later. Like, right. what the, what the right. fuck is I happening? I mean, for myself, Aiden and William Control were huge, huge in my adolescence. I mean, I saw that was the first show that I ever went like mm-hmm. without a supervised, you know, supervision from an adult. Mm-hmm. And it was the band that I saw their final tour when they came through Chicago. And I, you know, got up stage and I cried yeah. and hugged William Control. But now ever since all this comes out, it just it it's really a disconnect because music that you've listened to that helped you get through really difficult time it's like i can't listen to it anymore mm-hmm. because that's supporting a really negative agenda and somebody who is an, an abuser yeah and while you have people go on both sides going back and forth saying there's not enough evidence these people were consenting to this but then you also have the underlying side of but these individuals were most likely underage mm-hmm. or they were drugged or 
you know, BDSM and bondage, there's so much you have to define where yeah. it is. And if some people don't understand where that defining exactly. line is, you know, one person can think it's completely okay. The other person be like, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. this is not okay. But if they're so young at the same time, or just because this is an influential rock star in their life, they, yeah. they're not going to do or say anything. And I think that's where, because, and, and I'm a, I'm a straight white male. So I, probably have the least amount to really like comment on this like just to be totally fair like uh i i i hope the most of what i say is taken as questions and not as like i'm telling you what, right. I, what I think uh but to me the me too movement has been to say that these things are happening they're they're bringing attention to what is going on and sort of saying that this cannot be allowed to continue and giving pressure to companies that work with people to uh, uh, just anyone who's get gets hired by these people, anyone who works with these people and saying, we do not believe that these people should be given a platform anymore. We don't believe that uh, anybody should choose to work with them. We think that this is time to step away from these people who are, are just awful to the women that are associated with their with projects. Well, these are also can be people who are, you know, either gender non-identifying as well, or even mm -hmm. males. You know, that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, males are also abused in these situations yeah. as well. But nobody's going to really, you know, look at that. Yeah. Like, wasn't it um the Old Spice guy? I'm blanking on his name, but with the whole Harvey Weinstein situation. Oh, Terry Crews. Terry yeah. Crews said yeah, yeah. I was sexually assaulted by him. But people were saying, well, you're big enough. Why didn't you fight him off? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's people that really whole negative stigma as well. And I think a lot of people only diverted only to female only because it mm. is quite a the majority of the population are women who are being affected by yeah. this. However, we also have to look at the smaller categories of individuals who are equally being, you know, put under this. Yeah. I think too, like in, you know, the, the, the me too movement has been more focused on the movie industry, the television industry. Um, you know, it hasn't really looked at let's, you know, to be fair, like industries that aren't public industries that are, the office building nearby or, right. or whatever, you know, it's not looking at those, but we're looking at what's in the public eye to say that these people that you see and you listen to, or you watch in movies or stuff, these aren't good people. And you need to be aware that these aren't good people in order to stop them from having the ability and the power to bring down whoever they're bringing down to, 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 to control and manipulate and have these relationships with these people to, you know, in, in whatever way they're doing it. Cause you know, we, we mentioned R. Kelly, who of course is like, you know, is very much the me too of sexual assault. But then you have somebody like Chris Brown who continues right. to have songs on the radio. And he also is still continuously has, you know, allegations against him coming yeah. across where he's beating up women yeah. still, or he's getting arrested for drug and alcohol charges. And also like aggravated assault, yeah. but he's still popular and people are still accepting him. And I think that in, in my mind, this is what has not contributed to a Me Too movement within the music industry is that a lot of artists in the music industry, even though these things have come out way before the Me Too movement uh, was, you know, doing as much as it's doing now. These are, are people that have committed crimes, have been arrested for crimes and yet are still listened to, still played on the radio, still get still supported tours, still supported and i think that that's where um we haven't done enough within the music industry i would say if we're bringing it back down to uh the local or uh, not local but the uh, the emo scene within our culture 
uh, Ronnie Rack, he was on Warped Tour. Exactly. And even, I know With Confidence had basically kicked out their old mm-hmm. lead singer, but he was accused of assault. Yeah. And I feel at that same time, it's like, okay, but why are we still allowing fans and, to be on here who have yeah. this history? Because it's not always saying, oh, if one does it, everyone does it. Right. At the same time, though, it's saying, but did they know? And did they right. have that ability to stop it? Like, right. not this is obviously not in the emo scene, but Brock Hampton played at Lollapalooza mm-hmm. and one an Amir, one of their lead people, one of the like 18 people in that band. Um, was accused and pretty much somewhat more proven by a former girlfriend that he was abusing her, manipulating her. Mm-hmm. It was basically everything completely awful, but the entire band lived in one house. Yeah. And she said everyone knew, but no one did anything about it or they yeah. just didn't talk about it. So there was maybe for like three weeks, I think at the most, and most people were like, we're not listening to broadcast anymore. Like, right. they're crap. They're pieces of shit. They went underground, released their album. The magically, everything's okay because they kicked Amir out of the band. Yeah. Said, oh, we didn't know about it. It's okay. And goes to play like shows like Lollapalooza and right. have rows and rows of crazy kids and people going off to them. And I feel like with that, we're not holding everyone responsible at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because yes, one person does it, but there's other people who are there to, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not witness it. But to know these individuals enough mm-hmm. to an extent to be like, okay, yeah, maybe this person has anger issues. Maybe they might go off yeah. on this. Oh, I know that he does these things to the girlfriend, you know, or boyfriend or whomever. But that's okay. That's their relationship. I won't get involved in it. But I mean, you go to places too and you see like, you know, sexual assault. Like these are the warning signs. These mm-hmm. warning signs of abuse and everything. I think the fact that we as our subculture has gone, we align ourselves obviously very emotionally to a lot of this music that we listen to, which mm-hmm. is great because it helps a lot of people. But the negative side of this is, is that so many people align themselves emotionally with it that when and if it ever happens to where their favorite band or like favorite artists is all of a sudden in the midst of like abuse and sexual assault scandals, mm-hmm. they're going to say, oh no, it's okay though. They would never do that. They helped me get through like this really dark time in my life. It's like, great, awesome. But I also like saw a tweet a couple days ago and they said, oh, who still fucks with brand new? And somebody's like, who hasn't had Wi-Fi for the last Uh, year? A lot of people still fuck with I understand that. I saw also another tweet um, from not a Chicago emo night, but some Mm -hmm. other state emo night saying, is it okay for us to still put brand new on our playlist? And I mean, it's- People said no. No, there was people who legitimately yeah. said it's okay because they said, oh, Jesse Lacey, he confronted it. He accepted it. He said he screwed up and he got help. And his wife said it was okay in their moving yeah. path. And it's it's really not because sure, science fiction came out and it was really good. But as soon as those sexual allegations come out, it's saying, okay, he still took full advantage and abuse of his power mm-hmm. as somebody in a higher position. Yeah. And in that traditional rock star position, you take advantage of, he took advantage of younger girls. Yeah. That's not okay. And if you continuously support somebody, in my, my perspective, who is okay with exploiting younger girls for their own personal gain, mm-hmm. or even younger fans in general, that's, that's not okay no. in any sense. These are kids. So I guess, I mean, what I've, what I've kind of realized about uh, the Me Too movement as far as it relates to music is that you know, I don't watch 
House of Cards anymore since Kevin Spacey was right. accused and they he was kicked off the show. I don't watch House of Cards. I'm like, okay, I don't need to watch that. But when you say, hey, uh, Jesse Lacey did this and then you have, you know, brand new on your playlist and you, you know, uh, we were playing brand new songs, you know, at a show the day that the news like came out. And so we were like, I don't know if we should play this. And there are people that still fuck with brand new because of what brand new helped them get through about because of what the, the lyrics were, what he was going through that, that got people through it. Uh, I think that there is a certain trouble with separating the art from the artist in music yes. to where, you know, I, I, I disagree overall with cancel culture. I do agree with not supporting things you don't approve of. So if you find out that, you know, a company tests on animals and you don't want to use their product anymore, you shouldn't use their product. Right. But the idea that you should go to the company and shut them down, I also don't agree with. Like you should allow the company to correct its business practices. But if you don't want to shop there anymore, if you don't want to buy their products, you don't have to. Right. I think that needs to be an internal thing and not a, all of the culture needs to come together to say, shut this company down. The company shuts down because enough people agree. Absolutely. Right. I think that brand new breaking up and brand new not going on tour anymore comes at a really good time for people to say, I'm not, you know, I, I you can't go to a brand new show anymore. Right. It's it not, there's no, yeah. Yeah. So I think that uh, it's harder to, se- uh, sorry, I think that it's harder to separate art from the artist in music because of the emotional attachment we have to music more so than some movies, some actors, some TV shows, producers, you know, like uh, Harvey Weinstein produced all the Kevin Smith movies. Right. The Kevin Smith movies aren't ruined for me because he gave money to them, even though Kevin Smith has said, it taints my right. My role and I mean, those. Kevin Smith has even come out and said that the money that it's going, yeah. all those movies are making out are going to people. It's who, going to women directors. Exactly. Like we want more women in the in the in the movie industry to to sort of counteract this problem. Exactly. So he's kind of he's trying to make it positive yeah. in light of everything that's happening because he's going to say, yeah, I, I'm still going to make money off it either way. I can't do yeah. anything about it, but I'm going to do something with those net profits to help yeah. benefit other people, those people who are primarily affected. Yeah, and I think that. If I think that we should give time to people to change, but I also think that if what they've done is more than you're willing to forgive, then don't forgive them. Right. Then then you don't support them in whatever way you don't want to support them. Uh, I think it is something that, you know, you can pressure somebody like you can't pressure them now. So this is sort of a moot, moot point, but you could pressure Warp Tour to not have Ronnie Radke on the tour. Right. And say Ronnie Radke has done these things. We don't want him on the tour. Uh, and you can do it as much as you want. Yeah. You're blue in the face if you feel. If you that feel it's strongly about somewhere. it, I, I am. I am on board with that. But I do understand where people are like, no, I am going to go and watch Falling in Reverse at Warp Tour. I'm going to go watch. Uh, you know, if, if there were brand new shows after this news came right. out. I'm going to go and watch them. I'm going to listen to brand new. I'm going to uh, want to hear it at emo nights because to a certain extent, you know, I, I do think there's one thing to be said about the singer being accused of this and someone else in the band. Right. Because generally the singer is the one who writes all the lyrics and they're the ones that you gravitate to the most. Right. Uh, you know, so, so someone like Jesse Lacey who wrote the lyrics, who, 
was talking about issues that were affecting him that other people gravitated to that they connected with. And then for him to have done this does cause a rift between the artist and the audience. I think that, you know, there was a, a Pierce the Veils drummer. Yes, uh, I remember. There was that. And he, they just said, okay, he's, he's not with the band anymore, but they continued. So to your point about the other member of the band, it's like you can you have an easier time separating the art from the artist when the artist was not the one the, the main face yeah basically. the main face the singer the one whose voice you hear the one whose words you listen to like that person has the the majority of the hold on you from their musical influence to you right and so i i i can understand where someone has the 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 problem of disconnecting themselves from what that meant to them and still wanting to hear that music I just also agree, you know, we don't play brand new anymore. No emo nights in Chicago will play brand new. It's, it's something that I completely agree with. I think that we need to take a stand on that, but uh, I understand why people are still asking. For right. It. I mean, and it is hard because of those main reasons. And that's yeah. why I've seen, you know, both sides have very strong argumentation with that mm. and saying, oh, it's just the artist. The other argument to it is the, that's their personality that they're putting into a song. That's who that's you the, are. Yeah, exactly. If you were doing these things at the time you were writing these songs, what's to say that these songs aren't in some way related to what you're doing? Especially because most people write about their own experiences, their own life, their own uh, inner demons and their own turmoils. And like, if that's the turmoil you're having at that time, it's hard to believe that that didn't bleed into the music that you're writing. Exactly. So in a way, I kind of get why there hasn't been the me too of saying we're we're saying no to these things. Um, they're 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 again not cancel culture, but saying we don't want these people supporting what we love. We love Warp Tour for what it is. We don't support this artist being on Warp Tour. We don't support this artist playing in this festival. We don't support their concerts. We don't go to this thing. I think that the Me Too movement hasn't moved into that as much because of the fact that there is this struggle of disconnecting the art yes. and the artist within music. I think the other issue is too, because with the Hollywood Me Too movement, you have Harvey Weinstein coming out and he was doing these awful things for decades to numerous, mm -hmm. numerous amounts of people. Mm -hmm. And where you don't really have that too much in our scene, where it's only like one or two people or it's like, you know, maybe 10 or so. And it doesn't discredit anything. That's incredibly fucking awful that mm -hmm. people are doing this to other people. I think, though, because everyone is into shock culture and saying, oh, my God, they yeah. did that. There's enough numbers behind it. Yeah. I think people in our culture or with even within music will have to have relative enough evidence of numerous amounts of people from whoever it comes out to be. It's saying this person abused, sexually assaulted, manipulated, et cetera, so on. To all, to all of these individuals. Mm -hmm. And then I feel that's when it's going to have the big breakthrough of a Me Too movement within the music industry, whether it's in our culture or whether it's an overall popular music culture, mm -hmm. which is incredibly fucked up and sick to say. But you do have a lot of people now because of fake news and everything like that. I need to see numbers. I need <laughs> to see everything. Yeah. If, if a woman so says it, we trust. We, yeah. I, I think that's like simple rule. If, and not just women, but if anybody says anything, like, if anybody says this happened to me, I think we just, we, we take it. I think that it's okay to be a little like we're, we want some more information. Right. But I also think that like the idea of shutting down what somebody says because it goes against what you believe isn't right. right. I mean, everybody is do their day in court, whether that's 
you know, the the court of actual court, you know, court yes. or the court of public opinion. Again, cancel culture shouldn't be so ready to jump on somebody because somebody says something, but they should be wary of that person's behavior. Exactly. And I mean, that goes on both sides. That goes on people who are cancel culture to be like, oh, no, this person committed sexual assault and then they cancel them. Mm -hmm. And it's also on the same saying, I'm going to cancel you as an individual because you said that you were, you know, raped and sexually assaulted by this band person or artist. Yeah. And I don't believe that because I've met that person like three times and they would never do that. You know, you have to give the benefit of the doubt to someone, especially in those types of situations where it is incredibly sensitive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if these people have been assaulted or abused or something, you know, that's incredibly triggering for them. Mm-hmm. So I think the solution we can both agree on is hire more women yes. in all levels of the music industry, uh, from producers to labels to artists, uh, have more women artists, have more women bands, have, have more, more women in management. Yeah. photographers, merchandise. Yeah. Uh, because not saying that women are not, I don't want to say women aren't sexually assaulting, but certainly having more uh, people involved in the industry is going to potentially, hopefully, and ideally reduce the amount of these sort of instances happening. Uh, reduce a culture where this is okay, where we sweep it under the rug. Reduce uh, just... I don't know. I, 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 I hope that that's the solution, but also, uh, you know, like, you can, you can hope it. And then yeah. you just hope that a lot of people go out and push yeah. for it. I do follow a lot of women in this industry on mm-hmm. Twitter, which I know doesn't help a lot, but they're always tweeting and saying like, Hey, this other person's looking for mm-hmm. their next gig. Who can help them out? Like this person has an awesome portfolio. Here's a portfolio of all their stuff. Here's a list of all like female or even non-gender binary defining individuals that you can hit up if you want to do this. And usually from what I've seen, a lot of the women and non-identifying individuals in this industry are very supportive of each other. Mm -hmm. And we really need, you know, I mean, this is a very male dominated subculture, white male dominated subculture, 100 (laughs) fucking percent. And you cannot deny that. That'd be a perfect time for you to zoom on my face. Like, (laughs) yeah, right. But (laughs) So therefore, those people, those individuals who are in charge have somewhat more of a responsibility than to help project and to assist these women Mm -hmm. to, you know, get out, either bring to light more of these situations and to also work in these industries and not be saying, not be asking by people, oh, are which, which dude are you fucking in this band? Which is never, almost never the case. Almost never the case. You know, I mean, I've worked at shows. I worked at a show at House of Blues a couple of years ago and all the guys that were working were able to go up. I came a couple minutes late and I had to wait 15 minutes for the female lead of the band I was working with to come down and get me because they didn't believe me. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, it happens. And, you know, yourself as, you know, a white male, as anybody in charge, you have a responsibility, oh, right, I'm, to help. I am not in charge of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have taken a a very strong role as listening to everybody and working together with everybody I can. So there's that. I hope that I'm. He's uh, a good group collaborator. Yeah, I hope I'm doing my part as basically the face of the problem. <laughs> So you think you can make it as a musician? 
Well, let's discuss that. <laughs> All right. In our, uh, our, our last section here, uh, we wanted to talk about some information that has come out in the past few days about the money that artists make uh, through streaming services and within the music industry. And a lot of the things that people say when you say, I want to go into the music and entertainment industry, the first thing that you are always, always told, if the person deeply cares about you, is one, you are never going to make that much money. <laughs> so uh, I am pulling uh, this info from a tweet by David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. For those of you who are uh, younger, they are your dad's favorite band. You know, or maybe your grandpa's favorite band. Or your grandpa's you favorite know. band. I don't, yeah. I don't know. However, Very so, vintage-y. Uh, super vintage. This tweet <laughs> is actually in black and white. Um, so uh, for the video, you can see it. But uh, for our listeners, uh, he tweeted, recent numbers uh, per stream. Uh, this dates back are, to August 2nd of 2018. Yeah. So very recent. And uh, these are all in dollar amounts. I say that, but it's actually in cent amounts. Uh, I'll just do the big ones here. Like Apple Music, you get 0.00735 cents per play. Uh, Google Play, 0.00676. Spotify, 0.00437. YouTube, 0.00069. Nice. So the... The money that you make from doing music, the actual music yes. product, putting the music product out there to an audience that may be super digestive of it, super into what you do, they do not pay. You. Uh, no, he, he not says at here, all. get your song played a million times and get less than five dollars. Yeah, you know, the usual. Well, according to Pace Magazine, they broke it down a little bit more. It says that it's about five point sixteen billion dollars that is cut off from the $43 billion that the overall everybody else within the music music industry, like, you know, executives, right? maybe some managers, handlers, whomever. Um, so it's about, what is it, like almost 12% that artists yeah. actually get, if not less. Yeah. Which is a lot of bullshit because you're the one hustling and kicking now, everyone's ass. <laughs> yes. I may have a very controversial opinion on this. Is it spicy? No. Oh. I, I don't think it's spicy. I mean, Napster, which was yes. the Spotify of the mid to late 90s. Uh, it was related to LimeWire. Yes. If you know that. Oh, yeah, I do. Trust uh, me. I know LimeWire. Anyway, uh, I never had any of them and I don't know what you're talking about. Uh -huh. But uh, we decided in the late 90s as a collective society that music was not worth what people were asking us to pay for it. We decided that music should be free. Music should be accessible anytime we want it. Music on the internet is how we want to consume it. We don't want to go to a store and buy a CD. We don't want you to mail us a CD. If you ever did those yeah. like mail CD. The mailers. Things. Yeah. Like we don't want music that way. We want music as a, basically we have whatever we want, whenever we want it. And we want it in the smallest possible device that we can listen to wherever we are, however much we want to. And I agree with that. I am firm believer that music should be as accessible as possible. Right. And if that reduces the cost or the, the amount of money that is paid to an artist, it's just kind of the business. Uh, I also think that there are 
way too many artists. There's way too much music. There's too many people who say, I'm in an indie rock band. Yeah, I don't think we need as many bands and as many <laughs> artists out there overall. Uh, I think that there's just way too much in music. Uh, I also think that new music doesn't sell. I think that what sells is older music. Or stuff that sounds like older music. Or stuff that sounds If you listen to a lot of, you know, even like indie rock or indie pop, anything like that nowadays, it sounds like the 80s, yeah. which I hate 80s music. But <laughs> a lot of people like 80s music. Our bassist said, it's not 80s music. It is the 2018 version of what 80s music sounded like. And it's not like, because they'd had to do everything like in the 80s, they had to do everything. Now you just have a plug-in right. in, your, in whatever you're, you're writing with and it sounds like the 80s. But no one's actually writing 80s style music because you don't, you don't have the synthesizer. You're not in a studio recording it you're live. You're not hopped like, up on cocaine. Maybe you are. I don't know. <laughs> I still think the people are Be hopped safe. up. safe. I don't think the music industry's <laughs> changed that much. I mean, maybe with these, these amounts, you can't afford as much cocaine. Yeah. But Be safe. The music industry is the same. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm not super surprised by it. Because the majority of the music industry is things like, you know, the biggest artists in the world performing on the biggest stages, selling the most for their concerts, putting on giant shows. And I do think that smaller bands are going to get left in the dust because there isn't enough money for them. Well, you also have to see a lot of these larger artists and bands. They have sponsorships yeah. for, you know, different products. Like a lot of money is not doing... coming from music. Exactly. And that's the thing. A lot of people like Katy Perry is sponsored by... Sephora. I don't know. I don't yeah. wear makeup, but she's sponsored by one of the really large brands and she also has her own makeup line. Yeah. So there are people who have that capability and accessibility Yeah. because of their stardom to say, hey, I want to do the sponsorship and create this line. Like yeah. Rihanna. Rihanna's up there. She's yeah. she's partying. Good for her. I mean, Rihanna sells a lot of music, but Rihanna also is a she cultural person. Like you, she also has Fenty. She yeah. has her new lingerie, all yeah. inclusive sizes and shapes and every and sh you know yeah. shades of color for people. So she's doing it really well. But people who are in smaller bands, like you know, Paramore, arguably they probably make somewhat of a decent amount. Mm -hmm. But I also don't believe that they're making as much as obviously like. No. Coldplay or Gwen Stefani even no. so I mean I think Panic of the Disco's tour was enormous yes. and Panic of the Disco has been pretty successful with their last couple albums especially like coming out with the new stuff now and just getting it all over the place on on uh, I, I don't know if it's everywhere. on radio or it <laughs> I don't is. listen to the radio but yeah like his, his songs are being played everywhere and I still think that he's probably not making a lot from, from music no. I think he's making a lot from his concerts but also just like placement deals and all that so, and being on like Broadway and Kinky Boots yeah, for yeah. one. So the idea that like artists are rich, the idea that artists are making a ton of money from making music, I just don't think like, I think that this is a moot argument. I don't think that the argument should be, oh, bands aren't making all the money in the music industry. It's like, no shit. Like bands are making money from being a musician. Like I am a musician and now I also do this. I also do uh, this branding deal. I also do these concerts. I also appeared on this TV show. You know. That was the old way of doing it where you sold CDs. You had music videos on MTV. Now you can watch the music video whenever you want on YouTube. Right. So like... There's... Most people don't even look at the music video anymore. They just pop up Spotify or iTunes and they're yeah. like, oh, look at that. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I, I, I get where someone is coming from saying, oh man, like no money is being paid out to these artists. It's like, fine. But that's just the way it is now. Like business and technology has changed in the years from when 
Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young yes. was playing. Like, sure, David Crosby can't make a bunch of money on his his music anymore. And that's okay. Like, you have to evolve. You have to work within the industry as it is. There has to be the realization and yeah. acceptance of the fact that no matter what you do, music is never going to make yeah. you money straight from solely being a musician. Exactly. It's going to make you money from being a musician with stardom power and influence and working and collaborating outside of that yeah. bubble yeah. Of, of within your band or your Like art. be a part of the culture to make. And I'm not going to play this game like, oh, you need to be like this rich person and have all this luxurious stuff. Like we used to think the rock stars had like the biggest houses and the nicest cars and like maybe, but also like, it's nice of the idea that you could be a musician for a living and do what you love every single day and make money enough to support yourself doing it. I don't think that like it's a bad thing if you're a musician who loves their craft, loves making music and loves touring. And if you can support yourself on that, on the, on the paycheck that you get from that, then I think that you're set. I don't think that you need to make more and more and more money by like integrating yourself into like the public eye. You know, I would say like, I think it's weird that Portugal, the man is like such a big band right now because they were like this weird, hardcore, shreddy band back in the day. And now it's like, oh, but they're played on the radio all the time. It's they like, had, hey, like, look, it's feel it still. Out. And then they had, I think like a, God, I don't even remember. I spaced out and they had to be, I saw some of their set at Lala too. Yeah. It was like a four to six, seven minute, like weird psych rock jam yeah. band song. Because that's and who they like, are. Ugh. And then like, that's, and you know, the audience with a lot of like, the dads and the moms that were in there, they were definitely digging it. Sure. I, I I zoned out and yeah. I was like, hey, look, feel it still. Because our culture is like, I want a three and a half minute pop song. I think, exactly. I think generally, I think generally yes, the culture Yes, I'm wants. pretty sure their entire set, feel it still, was most likely the shortest song that they played. Yeah. But I think that if you decide as Portugal the man, <laughs> Portugal dot the man, like if you're like, that's who I want to be, I want to get more from writing some some popular music, getting it played on the radio, getting bigger tours, playing the main stage at Lollapalooza, go for it. But not every band's going to want to do that. Not every band right. needs to make more money within the industry. Not every band or, or artist is living up to that as their standard. And I think that we look at these articles like $43 billion were made and artists only got 12% of it. It's like, if the artist is happy with 12%, of $43 billion, then that's not an issue. Right. It just depends. Everyone has different needs and wants that they need to be met. So everyone's going to have a different perspective on it, obviously. So I think coming in, like if you're, you know, I always hear people asking people like, well, what do I do if I want to be a a musician and I want to go into this industry? And do you have any advice for like people up and coming? It's like, yeah, just be realistic. Like know that this is the statistic you're entering into an industry uh, that has a very small piece of pie for you. And you're fighting tooth and nail for a very small piece of that very small piece of pie. And if you're okay with that, then be okay with it. And just be realistic with what you want, what your goals are, sit and think about what you really want out of it. And then be satisfied if that's all you get. If that's not for you, then that's okay. Right. I think that it, it as you... <laughs> As you get to be an older musician and you start to realize, like, if I don't keep doing this, then I, you know, David Crosby is like, <laughs> uh, you know, that was my job. Like, I've been a musician for, for however many years. Yeah. So that's my job. Now that I'm not making as much money at my job, 
I don't have any other industry to move into. I don't have anywhere else to go. So fine. But also like, that's not really the audience's fault. That's not the consumer's fault. That's the fault of an industry not evolving along with the customer with what they're demanding. We want your music for free. Well, we can't give it to you for free. Cool. Well, we're going to go listen to the guys that are. Yeah. We're going to listen to who is giving it to us for free. And we're going to enjoy that. And we're going to consume a lot more music, but you're not going to get anything from the music we consume. And I think that, you know, that's, I think that's an older thing than a younger thing. It's okay. I think the younger bands are coming in a little bit more realistic. They're still hungry. Their eyes are still wide. But I do think that like the music industry has changed and it's done. Like the yeah. change is over. We're not we talking about how, it. yeah, we don't want it to go back. We want it to go forward. Hopefully people catch up with that. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll hopefully be having new episodes for you soon. Uh, we have some interviews lined up that we are uh, going to be talking to some different people about some of the same issues today, some new things, uh, local concerts in Chicago. Um, yeah, uh, just to give a few quick plugs for uh, Taking Back Emo. Uh, we just announced that we are doing a monthly night at Bee Kitchen on the last Wednesday of every month. Uh, the first one is going to be a full play of the From Under the Cork Tree album. So the band will be playing that, but we're going to do like a big blowout for Bee Kitchen, make it like a really cool event. Uh, so definitely check that out. The first one is Wednesday, August 29th. Uh, and then we'll be repeating that every month, uh, announcing new albums after that. We're also doing August 31st at Dirty Nelly's in Palatine. We have September 1st at District Bar and Grill in Rockford. Uh, and then uh, I think that's uh, September. We have September 8th. We're doing a post Fall Out Boy show, but that is sold out. So sorry you can't get tickets for it, but I am going to keep talking about it because that's, it's pretty cool. It's going nice to be cool. Um, yeah. Lizzie, do you have anything you want to mention that you're doing? Well, obviously, I work for 93XRT, so we will be having this really cool concert that we just announced with Death Cab for Cutie as a Studio X show. So it's basically at a really, really small venue compared to the larger venues that bands play. So you'll have to go online and see if you can get in. But if if you win, I will see you there (laughs) at our undisclosed location. And I'm going to be crying, too, even though Ben Giffords just said that, you know, emo's are just <laughs> pop punk kids who listen to Pinkerton by Weezer. God, I love that. Uh, you can find all of our stuff on the Emo Social Club Facebook page. Uh, if you just search Emo Social Club, uh, most of the stuff for Taking Back Emo is posted on uh, there as well. And Taking Back Emo's page, Instagram for both. Twitter, I'm not so good Twitter at. Twitter is at X, Emo Social Club X. Yeah. You'll, if you tweet at us, you'll be talking to Lizzie. Yeah, because he doesn't understand that. how to do it. I don't like it. Uh, Instagram is mostly me, though. So if you want to hit us up, uh, we can respond to you through there. If you uh, are listening to us on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or whatever podcatcher you use, uh, leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a comment in there, uh, we will read it on the next episode. Uh, so we want to hear from you uh, about whatever Uh, yeah so thank you guys again for listening to the second episode really appreciate you love you Uh, just do the little Little, heart thing imagine this is a black heart in Uh, my hand oh yeah and if you want to see the video it's on YouTube yeah Uh, you want to see our awkward faces YouTube IGTV uh, we're actually filming this natively in IGTV (laughs) holy shit amazing breaking the internet Early adopters. Using the internet for its intended purpose. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'll catch you next time. Bye.